Sedan looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Foster final, Jason Jones from the Mothership and Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick from 99 The Game and Dirty South Soccer is over there. Joe Patrick, do you want Bama? Do I want Bama? Mm-hmm. Do I, well, I want Nick Saban riding in the Boogermobile going up and down the sidelines since he's got COVID. <laughs> the what? To, to just be... You know, the, the Boogermobile, Booger, Booger McFarland on Monday Night Football. He's in that oh, thing that slides oh, okay. around up and down the sideline. I want Nick Saban in one of those things with some sort of um, plastic bubble surrounding him as well, just for the visual effect. <laughs> like it's a Flaming Lips concert with Nick Saban. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I bet he would hate the flame. And there would lips. be parts where, like, have you seen um what's that the name of that movie about the fake band? Um and they've got they come out of those shells and one of them like they're not opening on time. What's uh, what is that? What is the name Save of that? Ryan. <laughs> uh, I'm really messing this up because I'm not talking about <laughs> anyway. Okay. Well, um yeah. Bama. I think Georgia's gonna win that game. Go to let's, let's not jinx anything. Um, good news is we can talk about Atlanta United and not jinx anything at all ever because why? Nothing matters. Nothing matters at all. Um, we haven't done a show in a second, and that's because, frankly, there just hasn't been that much to talk about because everything pretty much feels like a wash right now. But, but, dear listener, we are going to try to do our very best to just squeeze the, the remaining remaining life out of this very well-pressed, I guess, lemon that we've been handed and pull anything we can to, to make this season maybe make a little more sense as we kind of head towards a merciful, merciful end. There are only like five games left, um, frankly. Thank God. It's crazy. I can't believe there's only five games left. Uh, it's, I hate this. I hate this so much because it sucks. my, like, I like soccer because I just enjoy it. I think we've talked about this, but like one of the reasons I actually like being in the press box is like I enjoy the the tactics and like seeing like the spatial, uh, you know, the, you like looking at it from a spatial perspective and, and 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 just dissecting the game that way. And now I feel like the only things that we have to talk about are these more existential topics that are about like the future of the club and like all these big things. And it's like, really all I want to be doing is talking about uh, why this central midfielder is like, you know, uh, working well or, or not working well. And I feel like now it almost feels pointless to talk about some of that stuff because of the state that this team is in. And it's a, no fault of like Steven glass or anything, but just the fact that he is an interim manager, it's like, you don't have your permanent manager in place. So you're not really feeling like you're building towards anything long-term. It's like, we're stuck in this short-term cycle and the team isn't even, doesn't even have short-term prospects really. Like you're kind of, I guess you're hoping you make the playoffs, but it's not like anybody has a, any reasonable expectations of doing anything once you get there. So it's just kind of, again, and, and I hate talking this way because I feel like I'm being defeatist or like <laughs> I am being antagonistic towards the club and the players and all that stuff. But it's just, yeah, it's just not good times right now. I wish we had better stuff to talk about or really like much to talk about in general. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we've gone from like a, a really fun math class with like a great teacher to like an intro level <laughs> philosophy class where just like the worst people are constantly talking and all you do is just sit there and think well, man i wish we, we could really really stop talking about i don't know how ezekiel barco may or may not exist <laughs> yeah i know it's like do you remember when we used to do shows after games we'd be in that little those little uh press boxes and um you know we'd have so many different things to talk about from what happened in a game you know it was like okay we had a chance that we missed here uh, in the 20th minute and then we took this chance in the 35th minute yeah. and that changed the the flow of the game and it's like and now it's just like you don't even want to look at things like that i mean if you look at the game last night at lenny united to their credit they pulled out a draw against um whoever the hell they played last night in miami uh <laughs> seriously i'm Okay, part of me is my brain is also fried from doing brave stuff, um, which I had right. like two eyes on both the games last night. But uh, I mean, that game last night, it's like you give them credit because they pulled out a point, hard fought point, but they had three shots in the game, like three total shots. I guess you could say, you could argue that there was a fourth that Opta didn't register that kind of grazed off of Adam John's head and went out for a goal kick uh, on a set piece. But but that just kind of underscores the fact that it's just not. It's not fun to watch. It's not even that interesting to watch, to be perfectly honest. Like, it's just not, there isn't interesting things happening. You're just kind of hoping that the ball doesn't go in the back of your net. And maybe, maybe if a small miracle happens, Atlanta United might score a goal. Yeah. I mean, mean, Teoto football has really been nailing on this. It's like Atlanta United is creating about half a chance per game or or like half a goal's worth of chances per game. So, um, it's kind of like a toss up as to whether you score a goal in any given game, which is just depressing. Uh, the only team worse at us in creating expected goals, expected chances uh, so far this year is Cincinnati. Wow. So that should tell you that should tell you everything. And right it's there. It's all it's happened so fast. I think that that's part of it where it's like you are going from being a team that was this up tempo getting 20 shots off a game with decent regularity, especially at home. And now it's just even getting a shot off almost feels like a, 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 an accomplishment of sorts. It's just, it's tough. And and I can't blame fans. I mean, I know I've talked to friends. I've got people DMing me um, who I know are big fans of this team and they're just not watching the games. They're, they'll like check in on Twitter to see how things are going, but they're just losing interest because this team is just not, they're not enjoyable to watch, even if they get a good result or a, a result that's deemed to be good like they did last night. I mean, it's like you're drawing against a team that is below you in the table that's also fighting to try to make this 10-team playoff out of 14 teams. It's just, again, I, I feel like I'm just putting a freaking rain cloud on this podcast, but... Oh, I mean, there, there's no real way to, to make 21 shots to three shots against Inter-Miami, an expansion team seem positive there's no way to to make a brexit equalizer or go ahead goal at that point you know make it any better than it already is and it's it's frankly i i do i i dearly dearly love the the people who are in the main broadcasting sphere for atlanta united but sometimes i kind of wish they would just say this sucks <laughs> I, quite you're right on, yeah quite honestly yeah. Oh, um, it's just, yeah. it, just kind of hard to sit through it and try to even feign any kind of hype for it, you know? Um, but, but there are every now and then some smaller things that maybe pop up, and I think we'll get to those eventually. 
but maybe what's been most noticeable over the last few games anyway is just who exactly hasn't been showing up at all. You know, they haven't even been in the lineup. Um, I'm talking, of course, about Brian Roche. Where is he? <laughs> Junior Burgos, <laughs> mate, perhaps? Junior Burgos, yeah, exactly. Where have they gone? No, um, Fernando Meza and Ezequiel Marco both noticeably and regularly absent. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, so it's interesting um, and kind of sad that n- neither of these guys are preferred right now. Uh, I think for different reasons. Obviously, you know, the drama has been swirling around Ezekiel Barco now for a while. I think for the the issue with Fernando Meza is different. Uh, I think it's more tactical. Um, a lot of people have been wondering why he hasn't been starting. And if you go back, I think you can kind of just put it together. I think the players have kind of told us honestly in both the cases, I think the players have kind of told us why these guys aren't appearing. But so the last time Fernando Meza started uh, played at all for Atlanta United was in a two nothing loss to the Chicago fire. And it was a game in which Chicago could have scored four or five. Probably they were Atlanta looked um, like a sieve defensively, honestly. And so after the game, uh, Brad Guzan was asked about Chicago's second goal, which was a pretty easy one, very soft goal that Atlanta United gave up. And his quote was this. He says, I forget how they actually get the ball in and around our box, but eventually he plays a ball at the top of our boxes to the striker. Never lead with that bad lead. Um, he's got all the time in the world to take a touch and pick a corner. I haven't seen it back. I think Fernando at one point was stepping up, but I was told that somebody else had kept him on side. But you have to defend when we're 18 yards from our goal. We can't be trying to play guys offside there. We have to defend. You look at the amount of times that their strikers got the ball in dangerous areas and had time. Nobody up their backside. Nobody shoving them, kicking them, confronting them. And then you look at our attacking players and their guys are halfway up their back kicking and throwing and throwing them 10 rows in, uh, winning the ball, fighting, scrapping. We need to do that. We need to be stronger in the defensive third and not give them two, three yards of space to pass the ball and also receive the ball. So it was Fernando Meza that was the one that was trying to play the offside there that Brad Guzan was referring to. And which I agree with Brad, like you shouldn't be if we cast our minds back, if anybody can remember that goal, um, you just shouldn't be trying to play a guy offside when you're really in your own defensive third. Uh, you need to be comfortable defending in that situation. So I agree with Brad, but you know we haven't seen Fernando Meza since then. So I think that you're probably looking at, um, yeah, I don't know, a, 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 the, the coaches and maybe even the other players perhaps preferring a player who will be more physical with other players like uh, Anton Walks, Miles Robinsons, those types. But it's certainly not good that Fernando Meza was the guy who, I mean, I think we can kind of say he was the guy who was supposed to come in and be the LGP type replacement, the guy who can help you build from the back, pass out of the back. Um, and he's just, he can't even get in the team right now. So that's that's tough. What's weird about this to me is that no one has really necessarily pointed to the back line as a main source of the problem you know i mean if you look at if you look at expected goals allowed atlanta united is fifth right now i mean that's really really good they're up there with columbus new england toronto uh sporting in seattle uh colorado's also there but they've only played like 13 games they don't count so i mean that's not been one of those things that i think everyone has looked at and gone this has been a huge problem even when made so it was in there you know and it's it's weird to me that suddenly there's been a decision, it seems, on at least Stephen Glass's part, that this is a guy who makes them worse somehow. And I'm not sure how they really rationalize that. I'm, I'm not sure if, if Walks is really that much better, that much better of a passer, that much better of really 
anything, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, it's weird that this has been the sudden decision, you know? I wonder if it is just down to walks and Robinson, you know, they speak the same language, so they're just able to communicate a little bit better. They have a little bit more of a, a be- just a better partnership, a better understanding of what the other is going to be doing in given situations. And I wonder if maybe you would, you would, you know, have a, uh, maybe Meza doesn't fit well with Robinson or walks, but maybe if you paired Meza and Franco Escobar, um, you would get a better version of Fernando Meza just because he's more comfortable with the player next to him. You know, they can communicate a little bit better, things like that. Perhaps. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, or maybe it is just like, you know, walks is the better player. I mean, I think we can agree that Miles Robinson is just like a, a player that you really shouldn't be taking out of the lineup at this point. He's so good defensively. Um, we saw it last night against Inter Miami. He can literally just save your ass. Like he can, he yeah. can stop uh, a one-on-one, um, a goal, a goal-scoring chance. So <sighs> I don't know. It's tough. But you, yeah, I mean, here's the th- my thing with Atlanta United and the the defensive record is um, I just don't care. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> see them. I want to see chances created. Like that's why I watch the game of soccer is to like have fun, see goals, and this team is just struggling because they create about half a goal a game of chances. Like we were talking about earlier and it's just very, and that just makes the whole product very dull. Like this is what we always kind of ragged on teams like Seattle back, you know, a couple of years ago where it's like, they're just this boring team of Chad Marshall's. Um, and that's, kind of, that's, that's making pointing fun at them. But, you know, we we as Atlanta United fans collectively, I think, saw ourselves as like this product that was not just a winning product, but a fun product. Um, and that's not what the product is now. So I understand that Joseph Martinez losing him is obviously a huge part of that. But I think that his loss alone is not the reason why Atlanta isn't even creating the shot attempts. You know, I think Joseph would be getting more shots off probably, but or definitely he would. But. I mean, we we kind of covered it in the article that um, Teoto Football really did the the data digging for that, um, you know, kind of analyzing Carlos Bocanegra's offseason signings and the way the team has been reshaped. It's just, you know, the pieces are it, this team needs different pieces right now. So, well, I guess that brings us to the other guy that hasn't been shown up in lineup. That's Sekiel Barco. And frankly, um, I'm not sure how much he would help really if he was even in. To be totally honest, um, he's just a guy that man, it, like you don't want to, you don't want to say he's bad. He's clearly not a bad soccer player. He's oh, clearly yeah, for sure a, a talented human, right? But not to the level that would change a whole lot with what's going on, um, it, and not to the level that really merits exactly what the roster spot and the value he's he's taken for Atlanta United, you know. But it, but it's still very interesting to see a designated player just not show up with a mysterious day-to-day injury and Joe I think you had maybe maybe some theories on this at the very very least um or maybe some context that could maybe lead us to the actual answer here well I mean I I hate this I I hate this because I wish we just knew what the situation was um but Mm. we don't so we have to try to figure out why Atlanta United's highest paid player is not playing matches. Like that's always been my thing. I know I, I like, I've gotten some criticism from fans who have reached out to me and being like, who cares? We don't need to know about why Barco's missing games, that kind of thing. I just disagree. Like, I think that fans have the right to know why their 
a player is missing games. And if he's got an injury, then he's got an injury. Um, it certainly seems like he has an injury right now. That's what Carlos Bocanegra has said. That's what obviously everybody has said from the club. But we still don't know exactly what the injury is, what the status of the injury is. I mean, the status has been day to day and he's missed a month now. So um, should they should he be going in for like a, a second opinion on whatever his injury is? Like, should they be thinking about having surgery? That's typically what happens in these situations. Uh Again, from my as a Tottenham fan, there's a player for Tottenham, Eric Lamella, who has dealt with this kind of thing before, these nagging injuries, and he's had to go get second opinions, and then maybe he has to have a surgery at some point. Maybe that's the case. Um, but it was after... Let me pull up the, the fixture list here. Atlanta United had lost to Inter-Miami 2-1 to on, uh, what was that, September 20th. And between that game and the next game, which they won against FC Dallas, the players reported after the FC Dallas game that they had had this uh, team meeting as as a film session, really. But they I mean, it sounded like they um, did more than just watch film. They really had a a good team discussion to talk about the things that were going wrong. And I tweeted this um, back then. Uh, Lorenowitz said, here's a quote from him. It says, it was people speaking up and saying what was on their mind, clearing the air in a sense, owning up to some things and demanding that guys buy in and say whether you want to be with us, be out there on the field and find a way to win, whether it's scrappy or not, end quote. And Ezekiel Barco has not appeared in a game since then. So um, you just have to wonder what his mindset is. I mean, obviously he's kind of, his contract is winding down. Um, he may have an injury that's playing a, p- a part of this because if your contract is winding down and you've got a little nagging injury, you definitely don't want to exacerbate that injury that could threaten a potential move. So maybe he's playing it really close. Maybe he is has more hurt feelings than hurt leg. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the deal is, but it's just it's not a good situation. It's not a good situation. My thought is that he doesn't play ever again for Atlanta United. And that just seems to be the obvious conclusion we're kind of going to. Um, whether or not that hesitation to play through an injury is on his part or the team's part. To- it could very well be the team wanting to hold him back because mm-hmm. they don't they wouldn't want to see him potentially aggravate an injury either because this exactly. team needs to get... I mean... <laughs> I don't want to say like get rid of him like you got to go, but like you want to cash in at least at least get some money back uh, on this asset. For sure. And my thing with that is if you couldn't get rid of him immediately, kind of like you did with PT, what is holding him out going to do? I guess, you know, if that offer wasn't there before, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what him just sitting there really does for that value either. Maybe someone's just going to panic and all of a sudden need somebody to, I don't know, get fouled a few times per game. It's really kind of confusing at this point. I'm just not sure. And it's annoying, honestly. I'd really just kind of want to know like anyone else, but it's it's been the confusing thing for a while now because you would think in this situation that there would be rumors, but there are not rumors. Like there are not rumors of mm-hmm. anybody really having a strong interest in Barco. I think the the strongest rumor that I saw in the last transfer window was Sevilla, who was potentially targeting um, Gerard De La Feu, and that Barco was potentially a backup plan if they didn't get De La Feu. Um, turns out they signed a different guy named Acuna. <laughs> Just so happens oh. to be, um, but. Uh, so that one didn't pan out for Barco. So mm. I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a weird situation. But, you know, I was I, 
you, you said, or I don't know who said it, but you know, it's like I think most most fans would have been totally cool with the club selling Barco in the last transfer window, That's even exactly if he even if he didn't get a ton of money for him. It's like at least it's kind of a something that gives you some long term optimism that you've kind of have a you've opened a space. That's what the same thing with Pitsy. I remember I talked with somebody at the club the day that it happened, and um, that person was trying to like trying to be like, yeah, you know, um, it, was, it was just something that came up and we had to make a, uh, you know, a decision at the split second. And I was just like, oh, you don't have to rationalize to, it to me or anybody else. I think most people are are kind of happy about this, not just because of the amount of money you got, but because it was clearly a situation that wasn't going anywhere soon. And with a player like Pitti, who was in his approaching his late 20s, you just kind of felt like you would like to try to part ways and maybe try somebody else in that position. And Atlanta United was able to make it happen. So I think that sometimes you can sell these players and it's optimistic, especially in a season like this, where it's not like you have any short-term prospects going for you anyway. That's just it. Like, even if you don't get that money back, even if you don't get an incredible break like you did with PT, you know, I I think people are going to be responding more positively to him not being here than him being here, quite frankly. Um, Have you, I want to ask this, have you ever seen a human with an Ezekiel Barco jersey? Real talk. <laughs> just, I mean, he's just uh, it's, that's, a good, that's a great question. I'm trying, I'm racking my brain now. I like can't really recall seeing many at all. I think I've maybe seen one or two when he first got unsigned. People were like, okay, yeah. this, this is awesome. We got this guy. There. This will appreciate in value over time exactly, when he's playing for exactly. Barcelona in five years. <laughs> much of those lately, though, you know. Yeah. So I, yeah. my thought then is, you know, it's just never been a player who's connected with anybody. And it's, it's, gonna be better for the brand honestly to to have that open spot to have someone to talk about to have someone potentially coming in and it's someone honestly they need it's someone honestly they need because right now that there's just no real place for for barco uh on this team and not with the way that we'd want this team to eventually play and not with output we want to eventually see um and i've been writing about it for mls for a little bit and saying it on here but you know the sooner they can kind of get that done, the better, which is why it's so weird for him to just not be doing anything, I guess, you know? Yeah. I I also think Barco tactically does not fit very well with this current team. Like since he's been out, he's now missed six games since he last played. The team is two, two and two in those six games, which is probably the best run of form this team has been on uh, in a six game sample this season. So and it's because they're playing direct, you know, there is a more cohesive style as to what the team is doing. You can argue how effective that style is and how entertaining that style is and things like that. But it certainly is getting the results right now, which the team was not when Barco was playing. And I and I agree with you. Like, I think Barco is a is a fantastic talent. I think that he can he can still develop into a, a really, really good player. But I don't think that what he does well really suits what this team needs especially out of its attacking midfield and i think that that leads us to marcelino moreno because i think you know people might ask well how can you say that about barco and i've been pretty vocal saying that i think marcelino moreno is going to be a really good signing for this team and i think it's just because he does play in a little bit different uh a little bit different of a he just has like a different personality out on the field he we could see it in just the one game he played where it was really like one half because he kind of came out for the second half and his legs were never under him in that second half. But you could see, you know, he was a guy out there who was um, getting stuck into challenges, fighting for the ball, 
he he was kind of he was scrappier. He got not, he got whacked in the face at one point in the game. Kind of got a cut, I think, and and kept going. He's a player that's more willing to do those kinds of things on the field. As to where Barco's a guy who wants to be more Carlos Vela ish and kind of avoid those situations and and receive the ball in space. Uh, and I think that what Marcelino Marino those qualities that he has and what he's shown, I think, are going to be very beneficial for this team um both now and long term i think it'll be he'll be a really good fit in mls it just seems like the guy has like no ego and no sort of expectations and i think that that's a really good thing coming into mls because so so often we see these big uh talented players come in on these high profile deals and then they struggle because they have certain expectations either of the opponents that they're playing or the teammates that they're playing with and it seems like marcelino moreno is going to be a guy who just kind of Keeps his nose to the grindstone and just works, 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 which is what this team needs. People absolutely adore a blank slate because you can project yourself on to them, you know? Yes. So someone yes. like Moreno who, you know, it's just kind of, they're not not really letting on to maybe different parts of personality right now. <laughs> so people are going to be into that, especially if he balls out a little bit. It's going to be awesome. It's like that thing about like why people love Hello Kitty because Hello Kitty has no mouth. And that's why it's extremely popular. <laughs> um, it's like why you like your dog, things like that. Um, but it's uh, you know he, he's a dude who is um, very just blunt and there, and um, you know he's he's gonna he's gonna maybe begin that shift in culture that Atlanta desperately desperately needed. Um, he, again, he seems like a really important foundational piece more than a piece mm-hmm. to you know. Um, be flashy, I guess. Like it, he's not the top of the skyscraper that maybe we thought right. PP and, and Barco were going to be. He's that bottom kind of piece for this rebuild, I guess, that we're kind of all of a sudden in. Um, well, you need a good you need a good mix of those kinds of players, you know, which is where it's hard to find a player like him who has that kind of work rate, the combination of work rate and quality. And I think that um, if you can take a player like him, obviously Joseph will be back next year as a DP, and then if you can get you know one other nice playmaker um i think you've got the makings of, of a decent i don't know front three would be the right words i don't know exactly how marcelino moreno will play whether it's as like mm-hmm. a winger or attacking midfielder or more of a central midfielder but regardless i think you've got you know the makings of something but yeah you're right this team just needs to it needs like a refresh essentially uh and that's what the story that we wrote about carlos bocanegra was kind of all about which was that the fact that this team got a refresh this year and it turned out to not be a good one and they need to they need to correct course really quickly honestly um because if they don't then things are going to keep going down this track which is not a good track at all i mean and it just it kills me that people are so passionate about this team um fans i'm speaking about uh and it's just i can't like they've got nothing really to pull for right now and it's just you just hate to see that well, what's amazing to me is that this guy walked in and did like the full rec league thing, right? Like, like you're new in town and you want to make some friends, so you go and join a rec league team. You meet them that day, and yeah, you yeah, play. Um, he did that. He did that in in this first game. Um, it was strange. he couldn't even talk. He he couldn't even talk to the coach. Like he couldn't be around. He could only be around <laughs> Atlanta's medical staff. That was that was the only people. So he couldn't even have a discussion with Glass or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Crazy. But I mean, at the same time, they deemed him worthy of that, you know, and ready to go at that point and and ready to kind of slot into the team, which I I think I think Philippe, our friend Philippe Cardenas at The Athletic made a good point about that, saying that the club knows like the things that we're saying is not new 
you know, that's not news to the club. They they know that things are in a bad way. And I think right. that starting Moreno in that game was kind of a sign that, you know, we're ready to shake things up. We don't we're willing to take those risks. Um, so I think that that's good. I think that that's good that the the club seems to know that things are not great right now. The problem is, is that I don't know. It's last night was so weird. What's that? Which is why not playing him last night was a little weird to just oh, yeah. all of a sudden not be into doing that anymore. <laughs> but yeah, whatever. it's fine. Yeah, nothing's real yeah. anymore. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the trouble is when we talk about having to kind of refresh this squad again to try to add quality. It's going to be tough to do that this year because I think now because you just signed a lot of these pieces, they're they can be tough to move, and the fact that they're on money um that is too much money <laughs> makes them hard to move so like a guy like emerson Heinemann, for example can we I, we were talking we about this, this earlier sorry go ahead this yeah <laughs> we're gonna have to write an article that just basically says this is not emerson Heinemann's fault <laughs> right yeah totally a hundred percent i he just happens to be in the scenario where someone handed him a stupid amount of money right for, like, <laughs> yeah. and that's not his fault Yeah. God, I feel so bad that we're going to pick a perfectly nice human for so, so long. I know. I hate I hate it for him. I hate it for him. Um, I profiled him uh, over the break. We were talking about it earlier today. We were kind of messaging and um, he's a nice guy. He very nice, very nice kid. He uh, has I really respect what he's done in his career going to Europe at a young age, you know, coming up through Fulham's Academy. Didn't have to do that. He could have very easily just stuck around in FC Dallas's Academy lived a, a comfortable life uh coming As up in the states but grandson. Yeah, yeah yeah but but you know he went the hard way and 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 he's he's struggled at times at, at times he's looked better but yeah the fact is that in a salary cap league you kind of have to judge everybody based on the production per dollar that you're getting for them you know you want to be the most efficient team you can possibly be in terms of maximizing your production for the least amount of money possible and with Emerson, that's just, you know, it's the opposite. Of that. <laughs> he's, you know, there's not a lot of production for the amount of money that he's making. And it's going to be hard to move him because of that, uh, especially now in the conditions of the world where teams are going to be reticent to spend that kind of money, um, even to like shift his salary onto somebody else, even outside of MLS. It's going to be very difficult. So it's just a tough situation. But uh, I, I still feel like I see flashes of really, really good things from Heinemann. I feel like when he plays with other talented players, he's able to combine a bit. But right now, Atlanta United is not a very talented team, and therefore you're not getting the best out of him. Regardless, the point is that Atlanta has, he's, you know, Emerson Hyman's not the only one. We don't have the salary guide because they have not published it because of COVID. And I don't know if they're going to publish it. I think they should be publishing one at, since this re- most recent transfer window ended. Um, but you have to imagine Fernando Meza is on quite a bit of money as well. He's and we've talked about him already in this show that he's not really getting in the team. Um, and there are other players like like we don't know how much Brooks Lennon is making or do we might know how, how much Lennon is making based on his previous contract. Jake Mulraney is a guy they'd signed. We just don't know how, exactly how much money a lot of these guys are on. But they it certainly feels like some of the pieces needed to be shipped need to be shifted around a little bit. And how do you do it? I don't know. Yeah, and it, well, yeah, out. it's going to be very, very hard to do that about the environment that we're currently in and, and these trying times. You know, um, that it's going to be tough to even get people to bite on. You know, even some of the the guys with easier contracts who just 
again, don't really fit into this. It, it's weird. It's like we have a really, it's like we're playing like a really decent bench constantly, you know? Like these guys would be pretty okay bench pieces. Like we would be like more excited to see, I don't know, maybe like a Mo Adams come on than a Kevin Kratz, maybe, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there's mm-hmm. maybe not that free kick ability, but like besides that, <laughs> you know, um, these are guys that that could theoretically fit into an 18 uh but yeah if they're if they're v guys you know it's just not gonna be effective at all but then at that point how do you offload them i don't know i don't know if you can it's not like it's not like pt where you can do the jamarcus russell like josh allen thing like look how hard he kicks the ball this is a person (laughs) worth 20 million dollars you know um you can't do it with some of these guys so it's a great point because Yikes! This might be this might be slower than we're thinking. As desperate as everyone involved seems to be to get this team back to a level that makes sense for this team, that the people want to see it at. Um, how? How? <laughs> it could be slow. I, I still think you next year you 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 get a good manager. You make a managerial hire, which we'll t- touch on in a second, and you get Joseph back with Marcelino Moreno and. Either Barco, though it probably won't be Barco, or some other DP. I still think you're pretty solid playoff team in the East. I I I I think that this is about as as bad as things can possibly be right now. I wouldn't expect to see this kind of Atlanta United in this in this kind of shape next year. But it's going to be very hard to reach that 2018 level. Um, that was. First of all, Atlanta kind of lucked into some things falling their way just in terms of the league structure. Mm-hmm. Um, people forget that there was new targeted allocation money introduced right after between the 2017-2018 season, which I think allowed them to really push the envelope and acquire Darlington Nagby on top of all the other really great DPs that they had at the time with Miguel Almiron. Um, so it's going to be very hard to reach that level, but you know, I, I again, I think things will be better next year. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a process to kind of get back to being at that top of the mountain. It's just so difficult to get there in a salary cap league and stay there. Which, if I could interject with a with a reader question, which like we do these still sometimes, Bart asks, "What has gone wrong with Atlanta United's scouting department that many international signings haven't clicked in the past two seasons? Is a talent ID issue, a money issue? Why are we seeing a decrease? And I don't think it's just international." signings you know um it, it's been the guy yeah. in the middle uh but to be fair to your point with 2017-2018 um atlanta united got extremely extremely lucky we, we really have to remember just how lucky they got with draft picks and bringing in other dudes who never were really expected to be these huge key pieces and then panned out in ways that we never really imagined you know um yeah. Uh, it's something to keep in mind that it takes a little bit of luck sometimes. Um, I think there are legitimate criticisms for the scouting, but also you got to catch a break. Yeah. I would love to know the answer to Bart's question too. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, it's something that when we were working on that, that piece that I've mentioned a couple of times now about the way that this team was rebuilt in the off season. Um, it's something that we were wondering about as to like w- the players that were signed is like, you know, what, um, what metrics were they looking at that made them um, think that these pieces were going to be good pieces that fit together, all that stuff. I just would be very curious. And I'm sure that there was reasoning that went in behind uh, some of the moves that they made. 
Um, but you never know. Like you never know how much how much say a, a person in a certain department has, whether it's somebody like Lucy Rushton who's involved with like the data data and stuff like that, mm -hmm. um, or maybe they lean more towards like the the in person scouting that that kind of deal. Um, and then how kind of all that information gets kind of filtered in through the process. I know Carlos has talked about it before. There's like a a five or seven step process or maybe even more. There's like a multiple tiered process and how they go about acquiring a player from identification to getting that, that signature on a contract. Um, and I understand why like the club's not going to reveal <laughs> what they do, but I think clearly we can assume that they need to tweak some of these things because what they were doing to sign um, some of these players hasn't really worked out. Well, I mean, the, the one name that really, you know, kind of comes up when you look at the difference between the front office and, and now is Paul McDonough, you know. Um, For sure. And it's very, very unclear how much I would say he had exactly necessarily the scouting part of things. But it also is clear that he did have a way with contracts and working the MLS roster rules. You, you don't have to look much further than, than Blas Tweedy uh, coming in on a tandem, yeah. essentially, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. those things are huge, too. But it, it's you don't really know exactly how much someone like Paul really did. Um, it, on the surface, though, I mean, you look at, you just take a basic look at what's changed from then and now, and, and that's the biggest piece. Um, and so it's weird to think about that for sure. I, it can't be everything. There's no way it's everything, but it is something to keep in mind. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we also had a question about the manager search. There hasn't been much discussion many reports there's <laughs> been like, no rumors really over. the only real information okay we just got a question in from uh dear listener michael parkhurst oh shit really yeah he asked how the heck is jeff able to play midweek games in his 41st season <laughs> park you really asked that yeah oh shit <laughs> yeah he did <laughs> he did yeah cool <laughs> uh, i don't know i i actually asked jeff about this uh a couple weeks ago and you know, he just kind of he gave a kind of a blase answer, but it's incredible to see how he's able to perform. And the midfield and midfield still still looks way better when he's playing in it. Yeah. I was worried that Atlanta United was going to, going to kind of fall apart last night after he was taken off the field. And I mean, the match did kind of turn very chaotic <laughs> after he left. Yeah. But uh, but Atlanta was able to, you know go forward and, and create a bunch of chances so i have some Almost could've, could've won um, go ahead yeah so I, I talked to jeff um in the past about his time in college and i, I think it is kind of illuminating to him as a person um and, and he talked about being the kind of guy who could go out and, and do college kid things and then get a couple hours of sleep and then show up to wait and be wondering why people weren't working as hard as him you know, he's just <laughs> yeah. one of those people, one of those very, very rare people that you meet who, who don't need the kind of sleep and rest that someone like <laughs> me uh, needs or something like that. You know, uh, he's just one of those people that, that working hard has always just been the basic thing. And so when you do that kind of thing, when you take care of yourself, when you take care of your body, you're able to do this kind of things. He's just kind of one of the the super elite humans that you happen to come across. Uh, it, it's really really impressive. So his his blood carries very high oxygen levels. He's got high O2 levels, everything like that. Um, yeah, he, he's he's kind of just a specimen. He's in great shape for his age and everything like that. Um, and I think that's just the basic answer. He's worked hard for a really really long time and and does all the little things. I'm sure to 
take care of himself mentally and physically. I wonder if he'll be back. My guess is no. I would think that this is going to be his last season. But um, if he's not back, that's going to be a blow for Atlanta United because he's so important for this team. Not just not just on the field with his ability, but as he's almost like a coach on the field, too. Um, And he I think coaching could be in his future. If he's not, I wouldn't even be shocked if he is uh, somehow affiliated with Atlanta United as a coach, if he Mm. wants to continue in the sport, Um, because he definitely seems like a guy who would do that. Well, well, frankly, too, it's interesting. I think with anyone else, I'd be surprised that it hadn't been announced yet that he was retiring at the end of the year. You know, I think a lot of other people would go ahead and just say, yeah, this is it. Or maybe even duck entirely uh, because the season's just such a wash, you know, in so many ways. But um, it's going to be real sudden and quiet. It's going to be like some random ass December day. And we're just going to get like a basically like an AP report. You know, one of those really short, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's it, bye. Uh, and then <laughs> we'll see him on a touchline somewhere eventually. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, um, thank you, Michael Parkhurst, dear yeah, listener, thanks for thanks, that for, thanks for your question. Um, uh, well, I do want to say this too. We we were before Parky jumped in. Um, every day that we hear absolutely nothing about this manager search brings us one step closer to Matias Almeida. yeah that's right let's do it i'm i'm totally on board it seems like he is a i think we did talk about this on our last show the the fact that there are no rumors is why you would think that matias almeida would be um, so when this goes down and when you you look back on who had it first it was me on this show uh, a few weeks ago when i first brought this up publicly so don't give anyone else credit don't let like stage call or something like that don't let snorio <laughs> jump in on this don't let tommy scoops tom bogert jump in on this this was sam jones this was sam jones just so you know i had this <laughs> um it, dude like seriously though like the more days go by i'm like kind of like shit was i right yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I was kind of kind of messing around i think there were legitimate parts to that theory i did say and i do want to correct this that i did say that um i thought this was the last year of his contract that's not the case he has two more years after this um and he did mention last year when he had offers that he didn't want to leave um while he was on contract but um i think that can change that those as an opinion that can change especially when you give two years of your time to a organization that's just not keen on spending money um you know and not keen on investing in things mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, i think that could be very much the case and it's beautiful for elaine narrator right now but because he is dragging them into a playoff spot right now they're seventh in the west they're playing very very yeah. well they just thumped up on the galaxy last night yeah i think uh, atlanta united fans would be well i don't want to speak for anybody else but i think he's a great manager i know that C- san jose has had their ups and downs and when they've had their downs they've looked like <laughs> the worst team in the league but um i think it's amazing with what he's done with little very little resources out there in san jose um he, i think he's shown how you can really transform a team just through like philosophy you know like like the game philosophy and things like that and getting players to buy in you can only imagine how much more effective he could be with you know players like joseph martinez marcelino moreno um you know the, some of the real top top tier talent in this league so i would be happy with them uh one thing i was unhappy to see was that another one of 
I don't know if we can really define him as a target because we don't there aren't any actual links to Gabriel Einza, but he has been targeted by Brazilian club Palmeiras mm-hmm. um as to replace the manager which who they had just recently fired. So um who I don't think there's anything saying that Heinze is interested or um has actually talked to them. It was just a report that from TYC um sports saying that Palmeiras was going to target him. So we'll see if that develops into anything. But other than that, there's not really any news. Uh, Carlos Bocanegra mentioned that they they were like narrowing down their search or something like that. <laughs> I, sure I forget exactly so. the words. Doesn't really make sense to me. Like I it, that the way he phrased it made it sound like the team has like a stack of resumes that they're just trying to pick which one they want. And um, like to me, it's either like you have your guy or you don't. Right. Um, maybe he was just saying that because it kind of sounds like something that would. Which the thing enough, is, but... if you make that decision to go away from Frank, which we all agree was the correct decision, mm-hmm. but you make that decision pretty quickly, you know, and at that point when you make it quickly, you've got to have some kind of plan in mind. You can't just go, okay, we're out of here and we have nothing, you know, how, yeah. are, how are we 82 days into this now and not having anything, you know? Um, and I'm sure they've done something. I'm sure there are things going on behind, but it's it's strange to look at something like you look at Red Bulls. Red Bulls gets rid of Chris Armas, much later date. Uh, they already have their guy, and he's a guy who, honestly, if Atlanta had picked him up, folks would have been hesitant at first because his name is Gerhard Struber. But <laughs> if you look at his makeup, if you look at his philosophy, if you look at that same kind of passionate communication that we've talked about he's a guy who would have fit really really well and mm-hmm. does. And red bulls had him quickly they had him quickly so to be fair he had like one year of experience um in their program a couple of years actually now i think about it but at the same time this wasn't a guy who was directly connected to to them really in any way um and, and had just done a good job of keeping um whatever the hell team he coached up in their league um so you know it, it, it's tough to see that happen that quickly and then look at Atlanta and see absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, hopefully the reason we're seeing nothing is because got, it's already there. That's true. <laughs> Even DC got a list of people. I mean, yeah. at the very, very least, you know, and one of those names happened to be Jason Christ, which isn't encouraging at all for anyone involved. <laughs> Not even Jason Christ. But at least they got a list, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Even if it ends up being yeah. none of those people, it's something. Like, and that's the thing too. It, if you're trying to keep a fan base engaged right now, why would you not be dropping things out there? Why would you not? Right. Why would you not be putting anything out there to say, okay, hey, today is Gabriel Heinze day, and here's this <laughs> that we may or may not have put out there. Why don't y'all talk about it? You know. Hmm. Hmm. I think. I think my my greatest fear is that. Um, you know, because a lot of these, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like, I feel like a lot of the players that Lanny United has brought in, which I should say, I should specify that Carlos Bocanegra as technical, technical director has brought in, have been guys that have these U.S. connections, uh, U.S. men's national team connections, whether it's Edgar Castillo. Um, Torres. Yeah, Cuba Torres. Yeah, well, he doesn't have a national team connection, but yeah, he played with them. So it's like all these guys that Bocanegra has these has these uh, touch points too, which makes me worry about Jurgen Klinsmann. <laughs> or even worse, Bruce Arena. Oh my gosh! Well, hey, Bruce is winning with a whole bunch of college. That's true. <laughs> there should not. It should not take any convincing of like ninety percent of the population to sell this higher, right? That then that's huge. That's a key part of it. Yeah. Um, 
I worry a bit if it is Almeida back to our theory um, that some people look at this really, really bad results um, that we're just, I mean, in the end, it's just one loss. It's like the Braves losing last night. You know, it is just one loss. They're still up to one. Um, in the end, if San Jose makes the playoffs, that's a, that's a huge, huge accomplishment. And that's what people should be looking at. Maybe not getting blasted by Portland six, nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he would bring team cookouts back, you know, Orlando had a team cookout the other day that looked absolutely incredible. One of their assistants is a, a noted barbecuer pit master. That's what I was looking for and set up like a full pit next to the side of the practice field. And he's been like featured in like Texas magazine for barbecue. And that's the kind of cohesiveness Oscar Perea has brought just through the power of cookouts. So if we can get those back, man, shoot. Sky's the limit. Orlando's got nothing on us at that point. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good uh, way to get out of here. Oh, we should mention that the show is brought to you by Lucid FC. Do you know what Lucid FC stands for? Lucid FC? Footwear? Football club. It's not football club. No, it's footwear and clothing. <laughs> Lucid, Lucid FC. Uh, these guys dropped an amazing, amazing cool. YouTube video, which we forgot to talk about. Did you? Yeah, I'm assuming you watched the video. Yeah, no, Sam? I watched all of it. It's really, really neat. It's aesthetically very, very cool. Um, did you? Did, did did you? Did you drop acid before? I did not. Never because have. it's way better like that. I should have one day. Uh, it's <laughs> um, such a cool video. It's like they're just creative guys, and uh, really cool to see that everything they've got going on there. Um, I just think it's it's inspiring to me as somebody who's not in the fashion space. Uh, it's cool. Um, and I've got some of their clothes, which always makes it even cooler. So uh, <laughs> check them out. I recommend everybody else get some clothes, too, at lucidfc.us. They've got some pretty big plans in the works, too. I can't share now because they're not nailed down. But um, there could be some really, really cool things coming Atlanta's way from Lucid FC. So I'm I'm hoping they come to fruition. I've, I, I've, I've talked with them about some of their plans. And oh, I wish I could share them right now. But um, it's tough. It's tough with COVID. Some plans. Get- I will say I will say that I like I'm having moved officially into Atlanta over the last few months, um, I'll just like be at the grocery store and I'll see someone with a lucid hat. Yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah. cool. Like this actually, <laughs> you know, this exists in the wild and not just on, on five stripe final in my head. Sometimes um, it, it's really, really cool to see people out there with the brand on it. And I always want to stop them and be like, do you listen to my podcast? <laughs> and I know that's not the case because it's an extremely popular brand, but like part of me is like, yeah, that, we helped. We help. Yeah, you know. we're, 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 we're definitely helping. We're definitely helping, Sam. Don't tell yourself <laughs> anything else. I know I don't. We never ever right. will. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, yeah. Bye, y'all.